Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Unplayable Podcast, back after an autumn break to preview the ICC Champions Trophy. Sam Ferris here, and as our 15 regular followers would know, I'm usually joined by cricket.com.au senior writer, the ancient Andrew Ramsey, but unfortunately the old fella is currently in the Andes recruiting new members for his research team. So instead, we've got the bloke that taught him everything he knows, Australia's former chief cricket writer, Malcolm Conn. Welcome, Mal. Thank you, mate. But what has been going on? You're not a chief journalist anymore, you've come to the dark side. No, that's right. After uh, 30 years of uh, travelling around the world covering cricket, I got a bit dizzy, so I thought I'd better uh, take a step back and let the young blokes have a go. And I uh, thoroughly enjoyed my two and a half years based here in Sydney at Cricket New South Wales, uh, working uh, in the comms department closely with uh, players and, uh, and officials and uh, still heavily involved in cricket, which is great. Right, so we've brought you out of semi-retirement, so to speak. Uh, and now you're no stranger to the ICC Champions Trophy either, Mal, because you covered the first two back when it was called the ICC Knockout. I did indeed, yes. I have uh, quite strong memories. The first one was in Bangladesh in 1998 uh, when Australia uh, played at the old uh, main ground there in the, right in the middle of uh, Bangladesh where we stayed across the road from actually as journos because we couldn't get in the flash hotels for the players and the officials. <laughs> And uh, Australia played uh, India and got knocked out in the first round. And then we went to Kenya, which was fascinating. Uh, went to the Masai Mara and uh, had a, a wonderful time there. And then Australia played India in the opening round and got knocked out again. So <laughs> we did a fair bit of sightseeing in Kenya and didn't watch much cricket. So today we're going to have a look at the Australians in depth. We're going to look at the two groups. We're going to welcome the return of the Rated Hate segment, very popular segment. And we're going to hear from our reporter on the ground, Mr. Martin Smith. So Mal, we're going to start with the Aussie camp. Uh, Two-time champions, trophy champions. They look pretty settled after their two warm-up matches at the Oval. Australia chased down 319 to beat Sri Lanka last Friday while in their match against Pakistan on Monday. It was abandoned after 10.2 overs due to range. However, there was a century to Aaron Finch against Sri Lanka on Friday. It looks like he secured that spot next to David Warner. They've batted on 39 occasions previously. They averaged 40 together and they've put on four century stands. So uh, a familiar duo at the top of the order for the Aussies now. Yes, and good on Aaron Finch. Every time a question's asked about uh, whether he's good enough or whether his form uh, should keep him in the side, he, he stands up and does something special. So he does have that ability. Yep. He's done it at the right time. And uh, he's certainly... Uh, Set up uh, what's a pretty settled top order there in the one day as uh, mm. for Australia and certainly Australia in their one day cricket of late's been fantastic, hasn't it? With uh, mm. if you look at their full strength teams, they won the 2015 World Cup and have played pretty good one day cricket uh, since then when they have fielded their full side. Yeah, now the middle is going to be a little bit more interesting. Mal Steve Smith absolutely has to take one of those spots, uh, but aside from that, Chris Lynn's the only other specialist batsman in the group, and the rest are all all rounders. So you probably see Lynn in there in the top four with next to Steve Smith. Um, then it's going to be two of Travis Head, Glenn Maxwell, Moses Enriquez and Marcus Steinus. Uh, so two of those four guys are going to sit in this top six. Plenty of options there for the Australian selectors, Mal, but they've just got to make sure they get the right combination. Well, I do. I think Maxwell picks himself. He's, uh, yep. he's been around for a, a fair while now and, and, and can do some magical things. And mm. we certainly saw during the Test Series in India, it was great to see him really sort of come out as an international player and score that 100. So I think that'll give him uh, enormous confidence to be able yep. to sort of take the, sh- the white ball game on, the 50-over game, which is probably more his forte anyway. Um, 
It's an interesting one, isn't it? Like Stoinis uh, coming off uh, a magnificent 100 in New Zealand, yeah. but also coming off injury, so he, yep. he hasn't played a lot of cricket. Uh, Lynn a bit the same, uh, absolutely yep. destructive, but has um, had his injury woes. So uh, I think Trevor's head sort of certainly seals his spot mm. uh, in terms of uh, the way he played in that uh, opening uh, practice match. Yep. He scored um, a 70 or 80 and played really well and also has the option of the of the off spin, which uh, Steve Smith seems to have favoured over uh, Maxwell. It was interesting in terms mm. of uh, the one-dayers. Um, I like Lynn. I love the way yep. he, he hits the ball. Very clean hitter and can really take a team down. I think that this is going to be a tournament of a lot of runs. If we look at the yeah. way that one-day cricket's now uh, played, I think you'll, we, we all see that... Uh, that 2020 cricket has really made batsmen more fearless and and uh, and keener to uh, to try more things on, and mm. so therefore 300 is no longer a safe score when once it was an amazing score. So mm. I, t- I tend to think that you're going to have to score big, and I think that Lynn gives you that. I think if you look at England uh, in their last um, well, since the last World Cup, their last two years, they've scored yeah. a lot of 300 plus scores. Yeah. So you've got to put yourself in a position where you can do that, and then I think uh, Lynn deserves that opportunity. Okay, let's move on to the quicks now, Mal. In all your time reporting cricket. Have you seen a more exciting pace battery than the Aussie quicks that we've got at the moment? The the pace quartet of Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins and Pattinson? No, I haven't. Not for Australia. I, I can sort of go back to the Thompson, Lily, Walker, Gilmore era. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Gilmore and Walker are obviously more swing bowlers rather than a quartet of, of, of uh, just out-and-out quality fast bowling. And yep. The last time we saw that was with the West Indies, wasn't it? Sort of yeah. during the rampaging sort of late 70s through to the early 90s. So... Now, if all those guys can put it together, they'll be very exciting. However, a lot of them haven't played a lot of cricket. And they mm. certainly haven't played you know, any, uh, any sort of official cricket together. So uh, my feeling would be, given that Pattinson, even though he's been playing in England back from injury, which is great to see, he has leaked a lot of, or did leak a lot of runs in that opening game. It wouldn't mm. surprise me if he got squeezed out for, um, for Johnny Hastings. I think yep. Johnny Hastings is... Um, a very good white ball cricketer, good yep. variation, uh, uh, solid bat, but mainly I think a good variation in bowling and the fact that he has been also playing in England, played seven one-dayers uh, in county cricket over there recently as a lead-in. So I just think he, he just adds to a more versatile attack who can, and, and can take the pace off the ball. So you don't want everyone charging in at 100 miles an hour in a one-day, particularly mm. the short England boundaries and the ball flying everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the last time that Mitchell Stark played in a one-day tournament, he was part of the tournament in the World Cup. He's coming back from injury. What kind of impact do you think he's going to have over there in English conditions? Oh, enormous. I think it'll be tremendous. I just remember that Matador Cup he played two seasons ago when yep. uh, the Australians <laughs> didn't go to Bangladesh and uh, he unleashed with a white ball and just absolutely destroyed them. Uh, it was just one of the most uh, amazing performances you've ever seen in a tournament to someone dominate it to yeah. that extent. So. I just think the ability to swing the ball late, he'll, he'll be quick and he'll be aggressive, but most of the time he'll pitch it up and he'll move it. And I think that you've only got to bowl two or three miracle balls early, which you can do, and you just mm. set the opposition on the back foot straight away. So, yeah, a, a, a real key for Australia, and it's going to be great to see him back in action. Now, finally, uh, Adam Zemp, he rounds out the ODI 11 discussion, both alphabetically and as the sole specialist spinner. Recent times, Australia have relied on the spin of, of Travis Head and Glenn Maxwell before him as a spinning option but uh, a lot of these there's only three venues used in this tournament so they'll get worn out spin will be more of a factor in the back end of the tournament so while he might not feature early on in the uh, in the tournament Zampa could play a vital role at the back end yeah well that is an interesting one isn't it whether you sort of think uh, particularly in England in English conditions where the ball is going to swing and there might be a bit uh, 
uh, in the conditions for the fast bowlers that you might sort of say, okay, we'll go with a, a head or a Maxwell. Um, I tend to agree with you. I think that um, uh, Zampa's a big show, um, particularly later in the tournament, but it wouldn't surprise me, depending on the opposition, whether they play him anyway. Yep. Um, I just think that uh, Rispin is still a bit of a mystery. He's not a big turner of the ball, but he does have good variation. He is accurate. Mm. Um, he's an aggressive cricketer, um, and he adds a fair bit. So unless it's sort of really damp, uh, I tend to think that he's probably a, a big chance of playing a lot of cricket over there. Okay. Uh, Mal, Australia have won two Champions Trophy titles, five World Cups in, in 42 years. Um, England, they've won none. Mate, why do you think Australia's just been so dominant in these global competitions? I just think that Australia plays naturally aggressive cricket. I yep. think that in the end, you've, you've got to play aggressive cricket to win. You've got to try and bowl teams out. You've got to try and take the game on with your batting. I think that at times uh, in the past that teams have probably been tried to be a, a little bit too strategic in, in the way they've played. They've played uh, dibbly-dobbly all-rounders. Um, they've played players who might have dominated at a lower level um, with a bit of the bat and the ball but really haven't cut it at the top level. Um, and I just think that Australia's aggression to be, to be prepared to take the game on all the time, uh, even if it is a shorter version of a game, has really held them in good stead when it's mattered and it helps if you've got some talent. Absolutely. And how have you seen the one-day game evolve, like you just said before, that 300 used to be the Everest of, of, of totals, but now it's almost um, par. If you don't get 300, you're not in the game. Well, that's right. Unless there's sort of something exceptional about the conditions, you would have to make 300 to be in the game, mm. uh, which is remarkable if you consider that uh, it took something like 20 years uh, at the SCG for a team batting second to chase down 220. Mm. And yet if you, if you look at uh, 300, well, 300's uh, a run a ball in a 50-over game. Yeah. Now, a run a ball in 2020 cricket is nothing. Yes, right. So it's got to the stage now with um, some of the explosive players in the middle order, say a Maxwell at six, um, some of the other players around, Owen Morgan can do it. We've seen him do it for the, for the Thunder here in Australia when he's come out. Yep. Uh, that These sorts of players mean that you're never safe, that no matter how many runs you've got and no matter how many wickets you've got, unless you've absolutely nailed the game dead, mm. the other team's always a chance. All right. Okay, let's have a look at Australia's Group A opponents. So, Mal, Bangladesh made it ahead of the West Indies and it indicates their rise up the international rankings. They're no longer the easy beats of world cricket, that's for sure. And they've had some success against England, who will be their first round opponents. Um, they beat them, well, actually, they sent them hurtling out of the 2015 World Cup, which gave a lot of people in Australia a wry smile. And they won their first ever test match against England on the home soil last year. Tamar Mikbal, he's a real gun at the top of the order. Mustafa Zur Rahim is a fantastic left-arm fast bowler. And the world's number one all-rounder, Shaki Palasan, he's brilliant. Um, they're going to be very challenging this tournament, aren't they, Mel? Yes, they are. And in the white ball game, they usually are. Certainly in uh, their own conditions and even in English conditions where the the ball's probably not going to bounce as much as it would in Australia or have the same amount of pace. They they have struggled in Australia at times in the past in the the one-day game. But uh, they are a very complete all-round team Mm. and uh, they have embarrassed uh, teams, including Australia, in the past. So they certainly can't be taken lightly. And as you say, to be able to sort of... uh, jump over some of the what in the past have been more fancy test nations to to get into this tournament and to play some pretty good cricket doing it means that uh, if they get you on the back foot then it mm. uh, it could be pretty difficult so uh, Australia certainly uh, has to be on their game and certainly I hope they've played enough uh, lead in cricket to be, 
to uh, make a difference against Bangladesh when it counts. And you just get the feeling that uh, in these tournaments, there's always an upset. There's always some sort of storyline that comes out. And it might be Bangladesh beating one of the big guns. Um, let's just hope it's England again, not Australia. <laughs> well, yes, it's always much more entertaining <laughs> when it's the, uh, the Poms being turned over, isn't it? So, yes, but uh, as I said, Australia's going to have to be on their game, but it may well be Australia. Yeah, well, Australia's first opponent is New Zealand on Friday night. And their order is bookended by some serious class. At the top, they've got Martin Guptill, who scored a 201 day and 180 in English conditions. Kane Williamson is all class. And at the bottom, they've got Trent Bolt and Tim Southey, who uh, if there's any swing available, they'll definitely find it. They've always seemed to perform better in these global tournaments. They knocked over New uh, South Africa in that 2011 quarterfinal. They knocked them over in the semifinal. Who can forget in 2015? So they could be this dark horse if there is such a thing in an eight-team tournament. Well, yes. Uh, one of those teams that we've always seen punch above their weight, particularly in the white ball game. And uh, I like New Zealand because they've got depth. Corey Anderson back from injury. Jimmy yep. Nisham also back from injury. Two quality all-rounders. Um, a good mix of, of spin and, uh, and seam. Uh, and even uh, I've got a, a touch of pace in there as well. So I really like uh, New Zealand as a one-day outfit and led mm. by Kane Williamson, who can really pace in innings, um, yep. you know, batting up near the top of the order there. So they'll be a very dangerous team in English conditions when we see Trent Bolt as a world-class mm. swing bowler, can cause problems early, particularly if, if you try to go too hard, too early against him. So uh, Australia will really have to play well to beat England. You know, yeah, sorry, yeah, to beat New Zealand in mm. English conditions. And you look at some of those other powerful nations. They've got uh, a, oh, they're a really strong batting group, a really strong bowling group. But New Zealand, as you say, they're very all round. But probably the key at the top of the order is Kane Williams. And how much will they rely on him if he fails? Is it doom and gloom for the Kiwis? Well, there's two of them, isn't there? There's Guptill and Williamson playing yep. very contrasting games. I mean, Guptill, who's interesting contrast. He's probably there, Aaron Finch, in a way. Sort of, mm. he's really struggled against the red ball, um, given when he's been given the opportunity. But the white ball is absolutely murdered. And if he gets away, well, and, and can bat deep into the innings, he'll get a big hundred, and he'll set them up, and then the other players will be able to bat around him. So he is the first key wicket. You've got, if yep. you get him early, you're always a show. Uh, Williamson is a quality player, um, and will bat well with other players batting around him but if you can get Guptill early then that puts a lot of pressure on Williams to, Williamson to really bat deep and take the, the game lower end of the innings and let some of the, the more sort of robust players um, sort of unleash uh, players like Anderson who can really mm. hit um, but if, if Guptill and, and Williamson both fire then you're in, you're in trouble mm. England well according to all the experts Mel this is their tournament to lose <laughs> they shouldn't lose this one um, you know Looking at their strength, I would say it's their batting with Roy Hales, Root, Morgan, Stokes and Butler forming explosive top six. Then you've got Mo and Ali who can thrash him around too. He's coming in at number seven. Uh, and as you said earlier, they've consistently hit 300 since that embarrassing exit in the 2015 World Cup, even though they were reduced to six for 20 and five overs uh, against South Africa on Monday night. Um, they've just written that off as a bad at the office, but a very explosive batting order who know the conditions inside and out. That's right, and bat down. I mean, if, as you say, Stokes, but also um, Wokes. Yep. Probably be bat- might be batting as low as eight, but uh, can still really bat as well. Yep. So th- they are a dangerous team, a- and they will have the confidence the way they've played over the last two years with, with a lot of the big titles they've made to just keep taking the game on. So yep. uh, they might have the odd game like they had against South Africa the other day where they yep. lose a lot of wickets, but you know, even if they lose two or three early ones, they will keep going after you and, and keep playing shots. Um, 
Uh, obviously, uh, Joss Butler is another one yeah. who's sort of very dangerous and can bat down. So if you've got guys like sort of Butler in your sort of middle to lower order, it's uh, that is a situation, again, where the game's never won until you've actually got the, this team out. So uh, early wickets is the key. If you can get early wickets and put them under a bit of pressure, but you'll need a few because mm. of the way they bat, they'll just keep going after you. It's kind of like the Australian blueprint, the aggressive cricket, big hitters, and they've also got fast bowlers now. Mark Wood is their fastest bowler, a guy that can hit it up to 150 kilometres per hour. He's good at the death too. He, he um, held his nerve in that epic win that uh, South Africa probably probably choked in that uh, game um, in Southampton on uh, on Friday night. But uh, with a pace bowler like that and a powerful batting lineup, they're going to be hard to beat. Well, that's right. And even Stokes, like people obviously talk about his batting because he's such an explosive batsman. Yeah. But there has been times when he's been England's fastest bowler. He's up yeah. around that sort of 140 to 150k mark as well. So he's a, a particularly dangerous player. And then if you look at their spin um, with um, Adul Rashid, and you think that yeah. the leg spin that he can provide can just give another option, particularly later in the tournament mm. as it starts to wear, uh, the p- pitches start to wear, then I think they've got a very good all-round side. And on the balance of probability, um, if you look through that, they should have a very good chance of at least making the final. But we all know hmm. that uh, the Poms in Whiteball cricket are great underachievers, <laughs> and let's hope it happens again. Uh, we've got New Zealand, the overachievers, England, the underachievers. Just one on, uh, on Ben Stokes, Mal. Can you recall a player in your time that has just got so much hype and buzz around him at the moment. I mean, he is an exceptional player and performing exceptionally well, but it seems like he is just the golden child in world cricket at the moment. Well, yes, he is, uh, and rightly so, because he's such a, a, an amazing talent. The last one I would have to go back to, funnily enough, is actually Ian Botham, but Botham right. was a lot more than a than just a, a batting all-rounder or a bowling all-rounder. He was actually a sort of a, a drama queen as well. There was a lot of theatrics <laughs> around uh, Botham and... And his sort of um, his his high profile sort of uh, standing as a character in the game as much as a cricketer. Where yep. I think cr- uh, Stokes is a sort of a, a, a cricketer first, but uh, certainly they've got both got the ability um, both them had and Stokes now has with ball and bat to make a mm. a serious difference in a game in a short space of time. Okay, we've touched on Australia, Mal. We've looked at all the Group A. Who is advancing out of that group? I'd say Australia. We've got to pick two. Two go through. I'm Better pick England as well, then, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say Bangladesh, Australian Bangladesh. Okay, <laughs> it's time to have a look at Group B. Now, it feels like every global tournament, the same thing is said about the pro tiers. They have the team that can win the comp, uh, but they just can't seem to shake that choker's tag, can they? You've seen them win a global tournament way back in 98, I think it was, but since then they've barely won an elimination match. Uh, will it be different this time? It's hard to like the Proteas in big tournaments um, simply because I think they often lack depth. I mean, if you look through their players, you'll think they've got some star-studded players and De Villiers who can sort of turn the game off his own bat, although he's had his injury problems and he's umming and ahhing about what he's going to do with his cricketing life. So yeah. he's probably gone off the boil a bit. A uh, big tournament could bring the best out of him. Hashem Amla, we know, is a wonderful player, but again, he's been a bit sort of up and down and off the boil. Uh, Quentin de Kock, I think, is the key for them. Mm. I think that he's the the new Adam Gilchrist. He can really right. take a game away from you. A wonderful timer of the ball, fresh and at such a clean hitter that he could really do some damage. And obviously, uh, Duplessis is a, uh, a very capable batsman, but I think that if they rely too much on players like sort of him and Domini, then I, I think that they would be in a bit of trouble because they are not... Uh, the, the aggressive sort of players are going to win you white ball tournaments. Obviously, David Miller is a mm. very aggressive player. Um, I think their bowling looks thin. Um, yep. I think that teams can get them. And I think that if you can get 
bat first in good conditions against them, you can take their bowling down mm. and get a couple of early wickets and I think their batting will go. So uh, as good a side as they are, I think that um, they've got weaknesses and I think those weaknesses will be exploited in tournament play. Sure. Um, but just in their batting, I mean, it's, uh, you look at the names on the paper, De Kock, Amler, Duplessis, De Villiers, Miller, Morris and JP Dumini. Um If they get going though, I mean, 300 is going to be... That'll be after the 40 overs. They're going to put a huge score on the total. Oh, that's right. If the conditions are in their favour and they do get going, yep. I think that they'll be very, very dangerous. I just don't think that some of those, they're very good players at the top of their game at the moment. Okay. Uh, and they're one really uh, stream and express fast bowler is Kajiso Rabada. That's how you say it. Neil Manthorpe taught us that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but such a young man, he is just bowling exceptionally well. He took four for against England the other day and did it easy. Uh, what a spearhead. And there's no Dale Stain, but he's just come in there and, and taken over like he's been there for 20 years. Oh, clearly he's taken over from Stain. He's he's one of the leading bowlers in the world and, yeah. and at such a young age. Mm. I mean, we saw what he did out here in Australia um, early last season to really stitch up the Australians and uh, create quite a bit of chaos and I think that um, he does have those capabilities particularly if the ball's doing a bit as it will in England he could uh, create a lot of damage but I'm just not sure there's much around him that uh, that can support him he's gonna, he can only bowl 10 of the 50 overs yeah I guess the other one for them is the number one ranked ODI bowler is Imran here, and he's a bit like Rashid he's got a good googly and he'll probably have more of an impact later in the tournament yes I agree with that uh, he is He's a bit of an enigma uh, because you watch him sometimes and you think, how on earth is this guy playing international cricket? And you yeah. watch him other times and you think he's unplayable. So, yep. uh, But you're right. I mean, you don't get number one to number one um, by fluke. So he, right. he keeps doing it. Yep. Uh, India, these are the defending champions. They've also boasted a powerful batting unit. Last tournament 2013, Rohit Sharma and Shikhar Dhawan, they led the charge. Fantastic. They had a couple of opening uh, century stands uh, for India. Any ODI team with Virat Kohli in it is going to be tough to beat. Uh, but Mal, uh, the Indian skipper hasn't been in the greatest touch of late. He had a bad test series against Australia, got injured, then he's had a, had a pretty woeful IPL. I reckon that pressure's getting to him. What's, what's going on with Virat? Sort of that mid-career slump? It's an interesting one, isn't it? It's an interesting whether it is just uh, injury or it's more than injury. I tend to think that he's such an intense cricketer that the added responsibility of, of captaincy may have had an impact, okay. that, that that intensity might have gone too far. I mean, look, everybody has difficult times. Ricky Ponting was you know, one of the all-time greats. Mm. And Alan Border will tell you that he thinks Ponting's the greatest after Bradman in terms of players that played for Australia, and he had some really tough times at various stages. Yep. Um, and, and good players you know, do that. They do go through tough times. But um, I just tend to think the depth of their batting and the fact that Dhoni's in that side, I mean, he's such an important player down yep. the bottom. He's, he's such a cool head. Uh, he can come in uh, regardless of the, of the situation and really take a game over. That um, you know, There's plenty of players to lay a platform and Dhoni can finish it for you or alternatively he can drag you out of the fire. So yep. their batting, even with a question mark over Coley's form at the moment, um, I just think that uh, they could, again, uh, be really damaging. The, the one question mark over India and England is always English conditions. They've gone over there at times and played some pretty ordinary cricket yeah. um, as a result of the, the swinging, seeming conditions. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any impact, particularly early in the tournament when things are a bit fresher. I think that bowling attack has the ability to harness those English, English conditions. They've got Ashwin and Jadeja, they're the world-class uh, spin tandem, but they've also got Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, Mohamed Shami, he's a bit quicker, and so is Umesh Yadav. Those pace options with the spinners, they've got a really all-round bowling attack to complement a really powerful batting lineup. Good side, yeah, very good bowling attack. Mohamed Shami, uh, impressed with him. Um, we know that uh, Bhuvaneshwar can really move the ball around. Yeah. Um, 
really hoops it, so the conditions would uh, probably suit him. And uh, Umesh Yadav is also a very good fast bowler, mm. very quick, bowls straight. Um, so all round they are a dangerous team. Now, India are going to come up against Pakistan, their arch rivals. That'll be one hell of a match at Anderson. Um, it's Pakistan, a bit like the box of chocolates, aren't they, Mel? You never know <laughs> what you're going to get. One day you'll get a team that can beat absolutely anybody, put 400 on the board. Next day they could get bowl out for 50. Um, Safra's Ahmed is going to be their new captain. He's an exciting young player. Plenty of uh, young players in this team, Mel. What are you expecting from Pakistan? Yeah, well, they're batting with the uh, recent retirements of uh, a couple of their most senior players. Um, does look inexperienced. Um, yeah. I can't see them making a big impact because of that. Their fast bowling, I think, is uh, quality. I think they've got some really good fast bowlers there, particularly you know, if you just look at Wahab Riaz and uh, Mohammed Amir. Um, they could do some real damage uh, in England, in English conditions, swinging the ball around, particularly Amir. Uh, but I just don't think their batting, uh, particularly with a lack of experience in English conditions, is going to make an impact when it really matters. Yeah, just on Amir, when he came back to cricket, he, he came back at Lords, where everything happened, uh, well, fell away from him a number of years ago. Uh, do you think it's still, still going to be tough for him going over there? The conditions probably can't suit a bowler more than England and Muhammad Abir, but is he going to struggle just being in England, the crowds, the pressure of, of playing international cricket? I think it'll be tough for him, yes. Yep. Mean, he was only a young kid when it happened. It was a real tragedy to see him mixed up in something like that in cricket. Um, we've seen uh, just uh, last summer when he was here what a quality player he can be. Mm. So, uh, And he's obviously sort of had to carry that through his career. But yes, I would think that there would be a, a lot of uh, Indian supporters at this game. Mm. Uh, uh, <laughs> there'll be a lot of... Uh, <laughs> A lot of emotion, I'm sure, and yeah. uh, I'm sure that uh, he'll, he will cop it at various stages, unfortunately. Running out Group B is Sri Lanka. There's no Harath, no Sangakara, no Jay Wardner for Sri Lanka these days. But they've still got Lasith Malinga, the slinger, Mal. It's exciting to see him back. It is, yes. He's a, an interesting uh, uh, bowler and has been around for a long time now. He's been around for um, uh, over a decade. And uh, with that slinging action bowls, those sort of quality Yorkers, so yeah. it can be... Uh, difficult to get away, although he doesn't have quite the sting that he used to have. I think that yep. dodgy knees sort of might be catching up with him. Uh, but it's interesting uh, talking to players who played against him. They actually say that uh, even when you have played against him uh, before, it can be difficult to pick up because you have a sort of a box uh, above uh, the bowler yep. you expect the ball to come out of, but the ball actually comes out of the umpire's hat. Yeah. So <laughs> you actually have trouble picking it up if the umpire's a tall umpire with a hat on. So yep. uh, he's a, he is a real handful um, and, and certainly in the right conditions. Again, um, they've, got, they've got some exciting cricketers. Obviously, Angelo Matthews is a dangerous player. Um, Dimesh Chandamal um, can be dangerous. But again, I think that they lack the depth to make a real impression uh, in this tournament. Yep. Okay, so uh, Group B... Who advances, Mal? Two teams into the semis. Well, I don't think you'd have to say South Africa and India, but I, I think out of that group that India will be the most dangerous side. Joining us from Birmingham, ahead of Australia's clash against New Zealand on Friday, is our man on the ground, cricket.com.au ace reporter, Martin Smith. Martin, thanks for joining us. No worries, Chris. How are you? Uh, never better, thank you very much. Uh, mate, tell us, what's the feel around the Aussie camp heading into Friday's blockbuster against the Black Caps? The feeling's quite relaxed, actually. A lot of the guys have been here in the UK for almost two weeks now. They had a bit of 
bit of time off in London um, last week, and the weather's actually been really, really nice, apart from yesterday when the, wash, the warm-up game was washed out. But um, now the feeling's quite relaxed. I've had some, some good, intense training sessions and a, a one full warm-up game that they got a lot out of, but the rest of it's just been pretty stock standard. I think everyone's fit, everyone's feeling good, and they're just ready to, um, as Chris Lynn said the other day, they're just ready to push the button on Friday and, and um, see how this tournament goes. Two warm-up games, only one warm-up game with the, the uh, second one abandoned after 10 and a half overs. But what do you reckon the real takeaways for the Aussies are out of that, that game against uh, Sri Lanka? Well, I think the main thing to take from that game was that Aaron Finch pretty much secured his spot at the top of the order. I think that was one of the questions going into the tournament was who was going to open with with David Warner. Given you had Finch, who, who had just come back into the team, having been dropped about six months ago. You had Chris Lynn, who put his hand up to do it, who's obviously in good form. And Travis Head got 100 opening the batting on, on Australia Day. So there was a bit of a question mark around that spot, but... Aaron Finch was fantastic the other day with his 137. It wasn't an official game, but um, I, I can't remember the last time he, I've seen him hit the ball that well. He was sensational, and he showed some good signs in the, the 10 overs he was at the crease on Monday as well. So he's pretty much locked in to, to resume his opening partnership with Warner um, for the first game. And before we get to the full 11, Martin, just about that second game against Pakistan and that 42-metre boundary. I can't believe it. You were very, very good on the on the tweets, uh, sending us some pics of that. If that was 42 metres, I'm 10 foot tall. So that's, uh, well, you're 10 foot tall because you're about half that out as it is at the moment. Uh, extraordinary scenes, really. Some of those, <laughs> some of those leading edges are nearly going for six. It was quite amazing. I think one of the shots that Aaron Finch hit was a cover drive that bounced on the fielding restriction circle and then didn't bounce again uh, <laughs> until it hit, hit the, the boundary, until it hit the fence. So it was quite quite strange and it was sort of an irrelevant point in the end because, the, as you said, only 10 overs were bowled. But I'm not really sure how much the, the players would have got out of that given given the boundary. Yeah, if you're a, a spin bowler, you know, bowling to a, a right-hander hitting on the leg side, do you, you know, do you toss the ball up and, and see what happens or do you just continue to, you know, do you, do, do you play defensively to that boundary? So it was quite unusual. It was quite entertaining. But, um, yeah, I don't think the players care too much. It's just a, a matter of having to hit in the middle and um, ahead of Friday. Right, talking about Friday, Australia's 11. Uh, how locked in are we, Martin? How uh, how many of those spots do you think are secure? How many up for grabs with only a couple of days left before that uh, opening match? Well, obviously we haven't heard anything official yet, but I, I think probably 10 of the 11 spots are locked in. I think there's one spot left in the middle order, somewhere around that four or five position that is uncertain. So I think you... I think, unfortunately for a lot of the guys, that game was washed out um, against Pakistan because if someone like Chris Lynn or Moses Henriques or Marcus Stoinis put in a really good performance in that game, they, they would put their hand up and, and push their name to the front of the queue to get that spot. But, yeah, so it's still a bit uncertain. I get the feeling they'll probably have a gamble on Chris Lynn, um, probably at number four. Um, which would be maybe my my, uh, my heart's taken over there because I really want to see that happen. I really want to see him um, out in the middle and, and trying to whack a few. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably the only spot, um, whether they go for an all-rounder, whether they go for Marcus Stoinis against New Zealand. We saw what he did against New Zealand 
earlier this year. Um, he hasn't done a great deal since then, to be fair. But you know, do they go with him as an extra bowling option as well, or, or does Moses Enriquez get a go? He got three wickets the other day against Sri Lanka. Looked pretty good with the ball. Um, so I think that's the one spot around that four or five um, that's going to be taken by by one of those three. And does that mean we won't see the big four fast bowlers? What's going to happen there? Is uh, John Hastings got a spot, Martin? I think so. I think uh, Hastings was rested from the first warm-up game against Sri Lanka, along with Mitchell Stark and Steve Smith. And I think that gives an indication that if, if Hastings was needing to push his case, you'd think they would have given him a chance to do so. And uh, we spoke to him yesterday, and he's feeling he's feeling pretty good about himself. He's been over here for a couple of months now, playing for Worcester. He's had about seven uh, domestic one-day games leading up to this and a few red ball games. He loves, he's got vast experience playing over here. Loves the conditions, um, so I'm pretty sure he'll be in, and I think he just gives some good variety to a, a four-man pace attack. Just someone who's maybe a little bit slower, but a little bit cleverer, can take the pace off the ball and those sorts of things. So yeah, I think Hastings will play um, alongside probably Stark, Hazelwood, and Cummins. So if that's the way it goes, Martin, will we see the big four at any stage during this tournament? We've come so close, we waited so long for this to happen, and we finally got a chance. And the selectors aren't going to pick them, but surely we'll see them at least once in this tournament. Perhaps. I think it depends how uh, how the tournament goes, obviously. But Australia's third group game is against England. And looking ahead six months for the Ashes, it would be a little temptation, I reckon, just to maybe give them a sneak preview and just play all four of them and tell them to bowl quick and bowl short and bowl fire and, and see what happens. And maybe put in a few um, you know, mental demons in the English before the Ashes. But... Look, it, it depends, as I said, how they're going. You know, they, you really have to pretty much win every game in this tournament um, in order to win it, and that's what they're here to do. So I, at this stage, I'd be surprised if all four played in one team. Um, you've also got Adam Zamper as well, who's sort of in and around the team and, and been pushing his case one of the four bowls spots. So I'd say it's unlikely, um, but who knows? I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. <laughs> You've touched on England just there. Uh, that was more about the Ashes, but in this tournament, I mean, they seem to be everyone's pick to win it. Uh, do you, can you sense a bit of expectation, a bit of pressure building on the tournament hosts over there um, with everybody writing them off as winners already? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of expectation on them simply because everything's going in their favour at the moment, apart from that quite stunning collapse against South Africa the other night. Um you know, they've just played some really, really good one-day cricket over the last two years, particularly at home. Um, they're in home conditions. They're seemingly most of them are in form. It's sort of everything's going right for them, and they've, they've never won a major 50-over tournament. I think the sense is if they're ever going to win one, this is going to be the time. So there is a lot of pressure on them, and, and I, I suppose the, the big question is, you know, they've got a couple of little fitness issues, but also the fact that Johnny Bairstow is yet to be in their best 11, who's probably one of the most informed players in the country, if not the world at the moment. And I think that's, if he doesn't play that first game and, and a couple of players don't score runs, and that's going to create a bit of, maybe a few issues and maybe a bit of public outcry about why isn't this guy on the team. So there, there's a lot of pressure on them, a lot of expectation, but that's based purely on how well they've played over the last two years because they've been the best one-day team in the world, I think. Controversial. All right, looking ahead, Martin, what do we think about... Uh Who's going to advance? Who are going to be the semi-finalists? Only two will make it. Two will go home, unless you're England. Uh, who is going to uh, progress and, 
and be fighting for those that final spot. I did have a bit of a think about it about this, and I, I find it hard to make a case for any of the sort of four smaller nations here. I say smaller nations, referring to New Zealand, Bangladesh. Uh, Sri Lanka and Pakistan. I just don't think they're in the same league as, uh, well, in Group A, I think Australia and England are, are streaks ahead of the other two. And then in the in Group B, it's South Africa and India. I can't really see those those big four teams not progressing. I just think they're all way too strong. But I think if anyone's going to cause a surprise, it'd probably be New Zealand. With mm. They tend to do that um, in major tournaments and Australia's got them first up. But it's it's a pretty obvious thing to say, but I think Australia and England will progress from Group A, and South Africa and India from Group B, and they'll meet in the semi-finals. All right, now you got to tell us the winner, who is going to win this whole thing, and you also got to tell us who is going to be your player of the tournament. Uh, I'll start with the player of the tournament, and I'm picking someone who is already over here and has been batting pretty well recently, and that's Quinton de Kock from South Africa. Mm. Uh, I think he's been in great form the last year or so. He'll open the batting for the Proteus. I think he'll have another really good tournament. So he's my pick for player of the tournament. And I'm going to predict an Australia-India final at the Oval. And Australia are going to win by a run. That sounds spectacular. Please make that happen. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. So you're predicting uh, South Africa, the semi-final hoodoo to continue. They'll get through the group stage, but they'll fall at the uh, semi-finals. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Why not? Why not? That seems to be, unfortunately, that seems to be what South Africa do at major 50 over tournaments. Um, but yeah, I think I think India's a little bit under the radar a bit. They haven't played much one day cricket in a while, but um, I think they've, they've got a pretty good fast bowling attack, which, and um, I think they've sort of gone under the radar a little bit with everyone talking about England and, and Australia and South Africa. So, yeah, I think India are a good chance to... They won it here four years ago, obviously, so I think they're a good chance to, to get close to defending their title. Thank you very much for that wonderful insight, Martin. What are you going to do between now and Friday? Well, I'm just looking at my window here in Birmingham and it's uh, grey sky, heavy clouds, a bit of rain. I think they call that a beautiful day here, so I might go for a bit of a walk and just see the sights. Martin, thanks very much for your time, mate, and we'll catch up with you later in the tournament. No worries, guys. Thanks. All right, man, we're going to play Rate It or Hate It. You're new to this, so it's a really simple concept. I'm just going to talk about a topic. You're going to tell me if you rate it or you hate it and tell me why. Okay, so first one. The big four of Stark, Hayeswood, Cummins and Pattinson will play at least one game in this tournament. Yes, because there's like to be conditions that will suit fast bowling and not spin. So I think that at some stage that... Uh that they'll pick a side that's based around pace and that those blokes will all play together and it'll be a very exciting moment if they get it right. So you rate it? I rate it as a possibility for playing at least <laughs> one game. That's what I want to say. Okay, we will see a ball bowl at 100 miles per hour this tournament. A lot of fast bowlers in this tournament. Uh, the ball's going to be zinging around. Will we see someone crack that 100 mile an hour barrier? I rate that. Really? Stark, Cummins, Pattinson, all capable of getting up there. Yep. If things are going well. Uh, Rabada for South Africa, also quick. Um, we see uh, Riyadh's from Pakistan yeah. also quick. Um, Wood from England's quick. So yep. I tend to think that there's a real opportunity there for someone who uh, who gets it right on the day that we could see something ex- as exciting as that. And plus these ICC tournaments, sometimes they crank up the speed guns a little bit, don't they? There's an extra 5Ks on there. Okay, uh, as we said, pace might dominate this tournament. So no spinner will take a five-wicket haul. I hate that. Oh, because uh, at some stage, particularly later in the tournament, um, and particularly a leggy like uh, uh, Rashid, or we could see even our own Adam Zampa mm. um, come in and make a real impact. A, a mixture of uh, 
dry, wearing, turning wickets and teams having to chase down uh, big totals, yep. hitting the ball up in the air. Every chance a spinner's going to take five wickets. Okay. Here's another one. A batsman will score more than 200 in an innings. We saw a couple in the 2015 World Cup. Small boundaries, good wickets. Uh, I hate it because I just think this tournament's too short for that and the teams are too good. I okay. just don't think that there's going to be enough of uh, enough games where they'll be lopsided enough for that to happen. I think there'll be too much pressure. The bowling will be too good. So I think players might get close, but yep. uh, can't. it could happen. But uh, no, I'm not going to back that in. I think this one might directly influence the next one. Then uh, there will be a team who will score in excess of 450. That'll be the highest one-day score ever. Uh, and I hate that too because <laughs> uh, I can't see it happening. Um, 400 is a bit of a possibility. Um, it's been done before, obviously. Uh, and you know, if you get going on those small boundaries on a good deck, then you're always mm. a chance. But again, it's an eight-team tournament. It's a short tournament. Yep. Uh, I don't think there's enough uh, difference in the depth of the quality of the players across just eight teams, so I can't see it happening. I'd love to see it happen and then love to see it get chased down. Imagine that, 900 runs in the same one day. Uh, okay, second last one. South Africa, they will break their semi-final hoodoo and make the final. Uh, I disagree with that because I don't rate it. I, I you think hate it. I hate it. I think that uh, South Africa aren't playing well enough. I think if you go through them player for player, you could pick plenty of players who could all string it together and you'd say, oh, these guys would sort of have a super power innings when it matters. But I just don't think that uh, they're playing well enough. To, I don't think their head's in the right space. I'm not sure that De Villiers' head's in the right space. He hasn't, he's been mm. in and out of the team. and uh, So I doubt it. Uh, I doubt they will. Okay, and finally, England won't make it out of the group stage. You've already predicted they're going to go through the semis, but can you see them choking? Can you see them not making it through? Well, it doesn't take much of a stretch to say that Bangladesh <laughs> could uh, roll past them and uh, upset them. And and look, it's a distinct possibility. You can't uh, in tournament play. You can't rule anything oh, yeah. out. And we've seen it before. We've seen it Bangladesh do that before as a giant killer. So look, it wouldn't surprise me at all, and and you know I guess we shouldn't get too cocky because Australia might be the That's team right. that uh, Bangladesh rolls over <laughs> and goes through. So uh, you never know. Um, but uh, uh, I don't hate it, but I'm struggling to rate it. <laughs> Great. There's two on here that I haven't told you about. Uh, can you tell us who you think your player of the tournament will be? Player of the tournament. Um, I think the top, the player of the tournament will be a top order batsman. Uh, and my pick is Steve Smith. I think he's such an outstanding cricketer mm. who's been in such good form, carries all before him. Uh, he'll get lots of opportunities. If you've got Warner and, and Finch at the top of the order, you're yep. always going to lose an early wicket when they're going hard at the ball. So I think he'll get a lot of opportunities, and he's such a good player. If Australia goes the journey, I reckon he'll get it. So is it fair to say that your tournament winner will be Australia? I think that's a fair bet too. If they, <laughs> if they get everything right, then uh, th then I've certainly got the firepower to do it both in the in the batting and the bowling. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. We'll be back next week to recap all the early action of the Champions Trophy. Mal, you've replaced Rambo splendidly. You'll be back next week? Oh, I'd love to the opportunity. Beautiful. So until next time, head to cricket.com.au for all your news, scores and video on the ICC Champions Trophy. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.